What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you are listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm Sam Sanders. And today, mermaids. I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing. The Little Mermaid, to be specific. There's a new live-action remake of The Little Mermaid in movie theaters this weekend. And you may have heard by now that this time around, Princess Ariel, the Little Mermaid herself, is black. We deserve to have representation where we can look and be like, wow, I'm worthy too. She looks like me. This is a very big deal. Disney hasn't really done that many black princesses. So this episode, we are asking, has Disney ever gotten the black princess on screen right? First, going to go back and review two previous Black Disney princess films. And then we'll talk with the Vulture movie critic about whether this new Black princess in the live-action Little Mermaid sinks or swims. Did you hear what I did there? Sinks, swims, mermaid, haha. All right, for this episode, we made up what I am calling the Black Princess Test. I repeat, it's a made-up test, not at all official. But I asked my first guest to help set the criteria. Okay, well, it has to have a black princess. There's first. that. <laughs> <laughs> that is Dr. Aria Halliday. She studies cultural constructions of black girlhood and womanhood at the University of Kentucky. Secondly, I think there needs to be something that feels like black cultural traditions. Okay. Whether yeah. that's a song, Voodoo, whether that's New a Orleans, practice, Creole, something. there's geography. Yeah. I mean, even in the um, Brandy Cinderella, you're, I mean, Whitney Houston is doing neck rolling. She's, you know, <laughs> yeah. snapping. She's yeah. doing, right. There's some of these kind of cultural connections that you want to see show up, right? Yes. yes. And so those are like the big one and big two. Everything okay. else can kind of be fuzzy. Uh, I, I would say number three. Oh, okay. I want the black princesses to get as good of a bag at the end as the white princesses do. Whether that bag is a man, whether that bag is some money, whether that bag is some freedom, whether that bag is your voice back. I want the rewards for the princesses to be just as good for the black ones as the white ones. Wait, what's your name? Cinderella. Beg your pardon? All right, with those parameters set, let's go deep on the 1997 made-for-TV Cinderella. You know which one I'm talking about, the one with the all-star cast. Brandy, Whitney, Whoopi Goldberg's in that, Natalie DeSalle, who, you know, we would say is black famous from BAPS and from other Mm -hmm. things, right? 
there it's a really black film in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Um, but there's all these these all these other parts of it that like um, Paolo Manitoba as the prince, although his mother his mother is black and his daddy is white. How do we yeah. get? A and they never just like talk prince? about race, right? They never, they never talk, talk about race. No, because you know the part that's really interesting is right at the end of the film when he's going to find Cinderella. We're going to try this slipper on the foot of every young woman in the kingdom. Why is he trying it on everybody in the kingdom? He knows she's. Yeah, literally, he has this moment with Black Cinderella, played by Brandy. Then he goes to find her, and he has all colors of women try on the shoe. I mean, anybody. It doesn't matter. Before last night, you didn't know a thing about her. And you don't know anything about her now. Except that she's beautiful. And all the girls last night were equally beautiful. I don't want to hear about anyone else, Mother. And part of watching the film, you don't even really notice it because you're so inundated at this point with like, oh, everyone's the same. It's we're beautiful, just following it's the fun. It's they sing in. Yes, yes. They sing Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's After Will Impossible, which is like the most epic yeah. song. There you go. There you go. Impossible for a plain yellow pumpkin to become a golden carriage. Impossible. Yeah, you don't even notice that He's trying it on all these other people. He knows she's black. He saw her. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're, we are talking about one of two black princesses in Disney history. Right. Black Cinderella Brandy on ABC in 97. I want to talk a little bit more about this one. And then I want to talk a little bit more about Princess and the Frog and then get big picture again. But like, yeah. how do you like... When you look at it critically, not just the I love Whitney, I love Brandy of it all. When yeah. you look at this film critically and what it's doing, a black film that is colorblind, towing this weird line, is it good? Is it bad? Do you like it? <laughs> People always ask me these questions. Do you like it? Is it good? I'm like, yeah. uh. I think, you know, my job is to help us see all the all the areas that are that are really great and amazing and positive and fabulous, but all the areas that we should be cognizant of that we should question. Mm-hmm. Right? All the areas that we're like, okay, what narrative is it actually telling us to believe in? Like what what is the fantasy that we should want to be a part of in the story and beyond of course the fabulousness that is Whitney Houston and the fabulousness that is Brandy Norwood. Um, you know, the film is doing some interesting things about how, like, girls should feel wanted and loved and desired. Um, at the end of the film, you know, the prince finds her as she's walking out. She's already left the house. She's, mm-hmm. she's about to hit the road on her own, you know, to find something that's better for her because her stepmother's treating her poorly. Her sisters are treating her poorly. She's going to find another situation for herself, which is a slightly different narrative than we get from other Cinderella's or even kind of princesses at the time. I deserve to be loved. And that's what I found out tonight. And that's all that really matters. Well, the other narrative is like, you better be fine enough and attractive enough for a man to want you and save you. Exactly. Because you're going to get saved. And this this is slightly different when she's like, I'm hitting the road on my own to find something better. Like, I is deserve a, to be loved. Yeah. Is and that a black think, thing? I think it is. Tell me more. I think so. Specifically, you know, Whitney and Brandy are having this conversation about... Um, you know, what makes this film different. There are great messages in Cinderella that I don't think people really got that you'll see in this one. I mean, they really come to life. Anything is possible if you believe. 
in yourself? I mean, they've already done Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella a couple of times. It's already been on television in the 50s. And then I think something that's slightly different is, you know, Deborah Martin Chase is a Black woman producer who's working with Whitney Houston. She did Preacher's Wife with Whitney and Denzel, right? Yeah. Um, And so Deborah Martin Chase with Whitney is talking about how to make this slightly different. And I think they want to create this narrative around, you know, girls deserve to be loved regardless of whatever promises are being made, what other, other, you know, situations are happening, right? Regardless of race, right? We should desire and want love and to be treated well regardless of our circumstances, right? And I think that that is kind of an underlying narrative throughout the film that slightly changes how we even see Cinderella show up. But I, I argue that it's tied to the fact that she's Black and that her fairy godmother is Black. I'm your fairy godmother, honey. You? You got a problem with that? It's strong black woman. It's strong black woman. Exactly. Which is a narrative that we already know, which is going to, you know, kind of pull from black cultural narratives. We're going to support it. We're going to know it. We're going to recognize it. It's going to feel familiar to us because it's a story that we already know. Yeah. Like, if love is not being served there, you leave. Like, that's what we know. Well, this is my thing with, like, blackening these western fantasy stories of princesses Mm -hmm. the entire motif of a princess in the classical sense is a damsel in distress you know who's not a damsel in distress right whitney houston and brandy i wonder if even subconsciously when black princesses are created now are the creators making them stronger just because they're black i don't know i mean arguably i think all princesses at this point it's are a empowered. Success, are empowered. Yeah, you can't we have, have the damsel in distress anymore. We we, we no. moved past that. We yeah. moved past damsel in distress, right? But I think we can't dismiss the fact that this narrative of like the strong black woman is already tied to black women's bodies. Yeah. Right. So when you insert a black woman into a narrative about an empowered girl, you're also tying this idea of blackness to it. Hmm. Yeah, and not to negate. All of Frozen. Elsa and Anna are out there, you know, (laughs) vanquishing. But yeah, it's... I want to close the loop on this 97 Cinderella remake. And I think what I want to ask you is, as a person who kind of studies black princesses for a living, does it pass the black princess (laughs) test? I think it, it passes the black princess test in the sense that most of my students would say... We're seeing a black face. She's the princess. We get this narrative of her going from nobody to somebody. It's kind of the kind of quintessential princess story. You're not really princess. You become a princess. And, you know, you're beautiful. I mean, it, it fits that narrative. Yeah. yeah. And so it's got, she's black and she's a princess. And so okay. it passes so the it passes black that princess. Test. Yeah. And they're singing. They're and singing in this movie. Listen, yeah. impossible is really the only thing that... that <laughs> Oh, that matters. Film together. Well, but also, <laughs> like, literally, it comes on and Whitney Houston is already singing. Like, yeah. <laughs> before you even know what's happening, she's yes. singing. So you yes. know you're getting Whitney Houston singing. Yeah. And in 1997, that's all you need. And because these daft and dewy items keep building up impossible hopes, impossible things are happening every All right, we will talk about Princess and the Frog next. But first, a quick break. 
And as a reminder, you know what I'm going to ask you. Rate and review this podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your Prince Charming. Tell your evil sea witch, your fairy godmother, everybody. Thank you. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about uh, the animated film, The oh Princess my. and the Frog, which also has a black princess. I already know that this might not pass the black princess test for you. Oh, my. So. Let's set up the plot first. <laughs> for folks who have never watched it, who are probably better off, what is this movie? So it's based on kind of the traditional frog prince story where, um, you know, you have to kiss a frog and it becomes a prince, right? Mm -hmm. But the Disney-fied version of that is there's a little black girl who kisses a frog and the frog is under a voodoo spell and um, it also makes her a frog. And so now they're both frogs. Ah! Easy, princess, princess, do not panic. What did you do to me? And I'm, and I'm slimy. No, 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 no. That is not slime. What? You are secreting mucus. So, so the first time that there's ever an animated black princess, she She's turns a into a frog? Yes. What do you think was up with that? Because I'm assuming the folks that wrote that movie thought they were doing the Lord's work. Oh, <laughs> they probably did. Yeah. You know, I think they wanted it to be modernized so giving you a little bit of kind of folklore and mm -hmm. around new orleans and this is after katrina also and mm -hmm. so they're really trying to craft this narrative around um really a jazz age of so 1920s ish new orleans they got music in kind of black cultural tradition, which includes voodoo and the bayou and backwoods and all of this other stuff at the same time as like a black girl uplift story, right? Mm -hmm. And the easiest way to imagine that is, you know, a black girl who works really, really hard, finds a prince who ain't worth nothing. <laughs> they both become frogs and then they're both saved in some weird showdown between good and evil at the end. You mean to tell me this all happened because you were messing with the shadow man? He was very charismatic. Ugh. And then they end up becoming humans again and they get together? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they kiss. And because they kiss, she's then a princess, right? They're okay. both frogs. But okay. she kisses a prince. She becomes a princess. And that is what makes them both people. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. do you think that Disney would ever make a white princess film that subjects a white princess to frogdom? I don't know if they will ever do it, but they have not. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> it hasn't happened, right? Yeah. And there's not a film either, any of the princess films, where somebody else is kissing 
the the prince. What? Right? what who's the somebody else? So her best friend is this little white girl, which, you know, side note, her mom works for their family. So it's a really e- interesting. Okay. Are they friends a word for or it. are they Interesting is a word for it. <laughs> Anything for my best customer. And so her friend Charlotte is technically queen of Mardi Gras because her dad is king of Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. So she, oh, she's princess of Mardi Gras. And so they need a princess to break the spell. So she picks up. The, the frog prince and kisses him and it kisses him like a, a bunch of times to try to break the spell. It doesn't work. I'm so sorry. So she had to watch her white girlfriend kiss this. Mm. Mm-hmm. Kiss her boo for her. Mm-hmm. What happens at the end when they become human again and get together? What happens next? Um, well, she starts working because her dream, work? <laughs> she works at a restaurant. She owns her own restaurant, okay. but she's working. Okay. So her whole dream, this entire film, is to own her own restaurant because it's what her dad wanted. Her dad wanted to open a restaurant with her. He dies. We don't get any story about how he dies, but he dies. And so her whole life then is kind of dedicated to developing this restaurant called Tiana's Place that, you know, speaks to her father's recipes and all of that, but it's tied to really, she like is not even interested in dating. She doesn't hang out with her friends. She barely sees her mama. She's Mm. working two, three jobs to get enough money to Mm. buy this property to start Mm -hmm. this restaurant. The maid of is going to be right where you're standing. Oh, and over here, a gourmet kitchen. And and hanging from the ceiling, a big old crystal chandelier. (laughs) So marrying the prince, she gets some money for the restaurant, and they work in the restaurant together happily ever after. Girl, I guess. Listen, you make me a princess, I'm not doing food service, baby. (laughs) That ain't happening. God bless. Well, I mean, there there isn't another princess that we see who works after, right? Like, there isn't a princess, period, that is working. All right. So what's interesting about our first animated Black princess is that even in the fantastical ways that we can think about her, she's still working. Mm. Yeah. She's still working. Does the princess and the frog pass the black princess test? Barely. I thought you were going to say no. I thought you were going to say See, repeat okay. the, the grade. <laughs> 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 see the problem see the problem is Sam. I'm mm-hmm. very critical of this film, but there are some of my black sorority sisters and friends who love this film. Okay. This is the first animated black princess, right? Yeah. It's a big and deal. so in a lot of ways, even the way like running up to it when it came out, Carol's daughter's doing merchandising around hair care products so you can look like a princess. Yeah. There's all these ways that black people, black women are tied to kind of supporting this film in the same way that Little Mermaid is happening right now. And I mean, Oprah Winfrey's in it. Oh, please, dear princess, only a kiss from you can break this terrible spell that was inflicted on me by a wicked witch. Jennifer uh, Lewis Lewis, is in it. Now, which one of you Nordic hearing been messing with the shadow man? Right, I mean, there's all these ways that it's created as a black film because of these really key markers, actresses, mm-hmm. location, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Well, and there's so it this, passes. Yeah, it passes because it was there, right? And it's like, <laughs> it's true though. I remember, remember when there was that not great Jackie Robinson biopic that came out years oh. ago, and folks were like, "Black folks gotta support us. So we get more of these movies." 
pregnant. I went and didn't like it. But there will always be that, like, through line of, like, we better support this so we get more. Yeah. We better support this so we get more, which makes me yeah. believe that the box office for this new Mermaid film is going to be bananas. It's oh, going to be bananas. I agree. It's going to be Oh, money. it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Do you think the new Little Mermaid, blackified, will pass the black princess test? <laughs> I think it already has. Wow. Yeah. Right? Say more. It Say already more. has. Yeah. So I was watching some of the kind of pre-interviews with Hallie. And so there are already little girls who are, are completely attached to her being a princess. They want to hug her. They want to know her. They want to be attached to that. They're watching um, the ads for it. You know, they, they want to be a part of that world with her. And so whether or not the film is successful is going to be whether or not they make us believe that she's the Little Mermaid. But I think they've already done that. Yeah. No, it's true. It's already passed the Black Princess test. I like that. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the work you do. Thank you. This was so fun. That's Dr. Aria Halliday. Her book is called Buy Black, How Black Women Transformed U.S. Pop Culture. All right, time for a break. When we come back, Vulture reviews the latest black princess on screen, Halle Bailey, as the live-action Little Mermaid. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! <laughs> I hate it. I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. <laughs> Because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. All right, here's Angelica Jade Bastion, vulture film critic and all-around badass. Listeners, first, be warned, we do talk about some plot changes in this new movie. Spoiler alert. So let's just get right to it. You have seen this new Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. What is your review? Uh, so I watched it last night and it was interesting because I decided to rewatch the original in the afternoon because I just hadn't seen it all the way through since I was a yeah, child. Yeah. That was a mistake because this movie does wow. not compare well to the original. Beyond Halle Bailey, who I think gives a very sweet, sincere, caring performance that really foregrounds Ariel's, like, curiosity and her sense of adventure. Sebastian, if you had just seen it up there, the ship rode on the wind. But everything around her really fails. 
I want to kind of go through what the biggest changes to the plot are because I've heard that a lot of it has been reimagined to Bullshit. empower Ariel as a woman Bullshit. more. I need people okay. to... I am, okay. That, that is going to be a problem that I'm kind of dissecting in my review. Like, the moral trying to be feminist schema of the film itself. And I, first of all, I should say, I think the quote unquote anti-feminism of the original is grossly overstated. Cause when I rewatched hmm. it, I was like, oh, like from the jump, Ariel is curious about the surface world. That's like her thing. She's yes. collecting stuff. She's with or it. without a man there. She's interested in that. Exactly. She's adventurous. She's curious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And Prince Eric really isn't the point and isn't the impetus for her curiosity. He's like a vehicle, basically, for her to, like, explore this new world. And the thing is about this new version is that there it's sort of interesting because it pretty much hits all the beats of the original. There are certain tweaks to scenes, like certain characters don't pop up you expect to. There's certain backstory that's added in order to make things more interesting. Um, for example, Ursula is now the mm -hmm. little sister of King Triton, who's been exiled from the kingdom. Huh. Bitch, what the fuck are we doing? Okay. Then, <laughs> then they try to build out Prince Eric more. They even give him a very shitty song to sing with a lot of oceanic metaphors. No, I am on the shoreline. But I'm still lost at sea In these wild uncharted waters Come find me again Which is like, okay, hmm. girl. And keep in mind, the original movie was about 83 minutes. This new one is uh, two hours and 15 about. So you would think, oh, they wow. must add a lot more. But they don't. Yeah. It's just like things take longer it does not dramatically change the way Ariel's arc begins beyond having her listen to Eric talk about how he wants to create a better kingdom, blah, blah, blah. What does that mean? Like, it's very, the royalty stuff is kind of strange. Also, the queen is introduced, and she is a black woman. Oh, okay. But it's very much doing what the 90s Cinderella did with Brandy, where- Explain. In terms of the diversity, in terms of having mm. like Javier colorblind diversity, yeah, everyone's just there. Everyone's just there, and they never allude to race. Exactly, Javier Bardem's children range from East Asian to South Asian, dark skinned black woman, white woman, all this sort of stuff, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like the landscape of this film, and what are it's you cool to with do. that? Do you like it when it's done like that? The colorblind I, diversity, as I call it. While I think this 90s Cinderella is like a good example of that, why it works is because of the cast chemistry. The chemistry between the cast is so strong and is so well cast and it's so lived in that you can buy the, the dynamics of it being colorblind, right? The problem with this is you see the seams in the entire movie. And there's something, mm. in my opinion, very craven about Hollywood's, including Disney's, recent turn into diversity. 
I always like mm. to tell people, if you look at the whole of Hollywood's history, mm-hmm. you will notice in times of sh- economic strife for the studios and the industry, they always turn to diversity. Think of the black, black. Yeah. Think of the black exploitation boom in the 70s, which saved studios completely. Yeah. It, they yeah. did really well. They had low budgets, et cetera, et cetera. The moment they could stop dealing with niggas, they stopped dealing with niggas. Well, listen, I don't even want to get started on the WB and UPN and the CW and all yeah, of these exactly. upstart networks of my youth. They're black as they can be to start. And as soon as they get big enough, they go full like Riverdale. It's a thing. It's it a is thing. a thing. It is a thing. And so... I try to... Do you feel the same level of critique, though, for Disney? Because, like, yes, they're doing that, but also I can look at moments of Disney in the last decade or so and say, no, that was objectively good. Like the first Black Panther. The first Black Panther is cute. Um, But (laughs) I hesitate to, like, praise them for diversity. Because this is how diversity works in this sort of landscape we're now in with Hollywood. Diversity starts with casting, sometimes tips into the director, not in The Little Mermaid's case, because it's directed by Rob Marshall. Uh And then that's it. Like, below the line, costume design, hair design, all the stuff that really makes a film a film and would influence so much on screen is not Mm -hmm. diverse. It is very Mm -hmm. much giving the skin of diversity, but not the root of it, not the bones, not the marrow, not the sinew, not, not the weight of it. Not, it doesn't feel fully integrated into the movie. Yeah. Disney's diversity, especially within these live action revamps of beloved classics, it's a way to gain credibility and try to tap into an audience that will bolster their bottom line. But artistically, the dynamics of this casting doesn't influence anything within the story. Also, side note, mm-hmm. if they gave a fuck mm-hmm. enough about diversity, they'd get an actual Caribbean person to voice Sebastian. Because David Diggs, baby, 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 if I see you in tell the me, streets, me, we me. gotta have a conversation. Because what the fuck was that? <laughs> the king can never hear it is. We are going to forget this ever happened. I want to now ask you to take a test with me or see if this new Little Mermaid film passes our Black Princess test. Can I tell you what the test is? It's only three criteria. Sure. One, does this work have a Black princess? Yes. Two, Is there anything in this film that feels like it even nods to an actual black cultural tradition? No. Okay, so no for number two. Uh, Number three, does what this black princess get at the end compare well to what the white princess would get at the end? I don't know. I mean, broadly, maybe, yes. But I feel like Ariel is like one of the princesses who sacrifices so much. Because it's like literally her voice. Literally her voice, but like at the end. And the swimming. Yes, at the end, it's not like I was kind of like, oh, maybe they'll do something different. And it's like she can turn back and forth so she can like be able to visit her family when she wants to more often instead of it being like she is strictly now human. I'm like, if you have magic, you could do whatever you want in this movie. She's in a world yeah. she doesn't know where her the only person who's supporting her is her partner, which is. Never a good idea, ladies. Do not make 
the entirety of your emotional life be dependent on the man you're with. Don't do it. There it's you stupid. go. Stupid. Um, so I like. I think the problem is, mm-hmm. you know, if Eric was like way hotter, then like maybe I'd be like, well, at least she's getting some good dick. I mean, but. <laughs> So I'm going to say that for you, given our criteria, our loose criteria, the new Little Mermaid does not pass the Black Princess test. Not quite. Not quite. Okay. I just want little black girls, black women, I want us to have better options in terms of the media we get. And I just feel like, yeah. take your kids to see it if you want, that's fine. But I think we need to have an honest conversation as soon as possible about the limits of diversity as we've and representation as we've seen it. It's surface, you know? And like, if it's just surface, at some point, that needs to change, should change, should have already changed. I'm not sure I trust Disney to do it. No. I would love to see an independent film retelling of this story where they really made The Little Mermaid and her world and all of it decidedly black. But that is not a film that you market to the masses. No, and that's one thing I was thinking about watching it. I was like, oh, if they were really about that life, they really mm-hmm. about that life, they would have made that kingdom black. King Triton, black. Her sisters, blackity black. Come on. Studios, like Disney especially, have trained audiences to subsist on scraps. So we're, we just get very excited and like... You see people having to fight trolls and stuff, and Disney loves that. Disney loves that it has people so invested, they will go to the ends of the earth to defend these films, even though it's like, ignore these dumbass motherfuckers. Racist people are going to yeah. be racist. Like, I don't know what y'all be expecting. Disney from has made black people foot soldiers for that corporation. Exactly. While it's giving scrap sometimes to black film and TV viewers. Film and TV viewers, and also the makers of these movies. Mm. What would you say to a parent going to take their child to see this movie this weekend who has high hopes and expectations for it because you want to believe in a black princess? What do you say to them to prepare them for perhaps a letdown? That's really hard. I'm trying to think, what would I say to my friends, my black friends who have kids, especially young, really young girls. Probably prepare yourself to be a little disappointed, but you will enjoy Holly Bailey's performance. Okay. And at some point, have a conversation with your kids about like, you know, depending on their age and not immediately. But I, I would really like to hear that parents are talking to their kids about what these representations mean beyond, oh, look, there's a black person. They look like you. Isn't that great? Yeah. But nurture your child's interest in this sort of fairy tale landscape. You know, like that can lead to really interesting things. I will say my interest in like uh, the Disney classics were because I was, like, obsessed with fairy tales. Still am. My favorite fairy tale mm-hmm. is Bluebeard, by the way. Um, okay. I like the fuck... You go straight fucked up. That's one of the most fucked up fairy tales. <laughs> um, and so, like, use it to start a conversation about, like, what they're seeing and what it's trying to tell them as kids. And, you know, be okay with having a conversation about, like, 
hey, like, yeah, this didn't live up to things, but it's great you're getting this character, and I hope it opens these kids up to new narrative worlds that feed them better than something like this version of The Little Mermaid will do. I will say I thought that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse more than most other films in that space diversified itself and alluded to actual diversity mm-hmm. more than a lot of other films did. I agree. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying to tell your mother? Calmate, mami. Eso no es my fault. ¿Qué es eso que esto no es mi fault? ¿Tú estás tomando una clase en Spanish? Mom, I just missed a few classes. Oh, just a few classes. Well, what's a few? So I would say the team that did Spider-Verse and made that a bit more mm-hmm. black, a bit more Latino, let them screw with this mermaid for a little bit. Could be good. Oh God, they're just, that movie is so smart visually. I love Narratively. It. Yes. That is a good example of like actually diversifying a story and like yes. really rooting it within the experiences of the characters rather than creating a surface level rendition of There you go. Blackness. Okay. We did it. The moral of the story is, sure, go watch Mermaid, but then go watch Spider-Verse. Yes. Also, there fuck you go. Disney. You're welcome, listeners. Fuck Disney. <laughs> now and forever. Angelica, I love talking to you <laughs> every time, anytime. Aww, thank you. Thanks again to Vulture film critic Angelica Jade Bastion and Dr. Aria Halliday. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. This show is produced by Janae West, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, Taka Zinn, and Travis Larchuk, who actually disagrees with Angelica's assessment of the new Prince Eric's hotness. He's so beautiful. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hokeman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Listeners, we're back on Friday with a brand new episode. Till then... Look out for shadow men and sea witches. Stay safe out there. Okay, bye. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.